want to thank the eldership for giving me this opportunity to come before you and to be able to present exactly what I do and exactly what I hope and pray that we're all going to be doing together as we team up as the body of Jesus Christ to unify and to get stronger as we strive to reverse all the horrible things that are going on in our society right now. As was mentioned, I, I was actually born in Huntsville, Alabama, in Huntsville Hospital. That's about as Huntsville-ish as you can get, huh? And I grew up in a very faithful congregation. In fact, the auditorium was exactly like this. I'm at home, I feel like. Uh, a 400-plus member congregation. We produce more preachers than any other congregation in that area. And unfortunately, I have to say, I'm one of the few left of the congregation that has stayed faithful and has stayed faithful as a gospel preacher. But as you notice on the screen here, you will see Acts chapter 20 and verse 20 where Paul said that he preached publicly and from house to house. So if you look on the slide here, you'll see that at age 15, I started personal evangelism house to house as I used my high school as a mission field. And I especially want to appeal to the young people tonight to let you know, as you're going back now to school, that that is the best mission field that I can recommend anybody to be able to save souls in. But first you've got to understand and realize that's the case. I can let you know friend after friend after friend after friend that I had the opportunity to share in the gospel with who converted, who are still faithful to the Lord to this day, and who are converting people themselves as well. And there's no reason why that cannot be duplicated even today. And in fact, as I have traveled all over Alabama and Tennessee and even parts of Mississippi now, I have other young people now doing exactly the same thing and getting the same results. The gospel is the power and the salvation. And young people, you have the missionary area that is perfect for the gospel to get into the souls of those young people. So you have a great opportunity, and I don't want you to miss out on that uh, as you realize this great opportunity. Now also, I've been preaching publicly since age 16. And so as a result then, I have continued to do local work, but in the last two years, I've actually become what I call a missionary in Alabama and Tennessee and parts of Mississippi. Now, doesn't that sound unheard of? But see, we've got to get ourselves sometimes out of some of the thinking that we have, because most of the time we say missionary work, we think overseas, don't we? But think about it. The Great Commission is to go into all the world. Is it not the case that Memorial, Tennessee is the world too? Is it not the case that your neighborhood is the world? Is it not the case that your relatives is the world? Is it not the case that your school or your workplace is the world? The answer, of course, is yes. And since we so, for so many years have sent so much money overseas, and we need to continue to do that. I'm not discouraging that at all. But so many congregations have done that so much and said, you know what, we've done our missionary work, we feel great about what we're doing, we can report thousands of baptisms in India and so forth, and so we're feeling great and all, but guess what? The churches in the United States are declining. Declining. And what happens is, when you begin to realize that the, the thing that is most obvious to you have neglected, then all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh, I better do something about this. And even the Bible speaks of the fact that if we do not take care of our own, we're worse than an infidel. So you take the principle of that passage and you say, you know what, we've got to make sure that as we're helping the overseas folks, that we're not neglecting what we have here. And so here I am here to inspire you in this respect. So I am a missionary in Alabama and Tennessee and parts of Mississippi, and I've been doing this for two years now. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, you have the scriptural authority to what I am doing. I am a traveling evangelist, even though occasionally I'm at Bethel, but most of the time I'm somewhere Alabama, Tennessee, or in parts of Mississippi. And so every Sunday I'm somewhere. You'll know I'm somewhere. And fortunately I'm here, of course, in Memphis. I was at the Central Congregation this morning, and now I'm here at the Bobby Branch tonight. And I'm honored to be that. The fact of the matter is that we're all missionaries. 
But here we see that Paul fulfilled the Great Commission as we find in Matthew 28, 18-20, Mark 16, 15-16, where he went to the world, he preached the gospel, he said, He who believes is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And then once those individuals obeyed the gospel, he made disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're told in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, that they were also to teach them to observe all things that Jesus had commanded them. That's part of the Great Commission as well, by the way. That's part of the Gospel as well. And so when you come to Acts chapter 14, verse 22, you see that Paul and Barnabas came back to the churches of Christ primarily for the purpose of strengthening and encouraging these churches as traveling evangelists. Not as local evangelists, but as traveling evangelists. Now, if it is the case in the first century that it was authorized for traveling evangelists to go around churches of Christ... For the purpose of strengthening and encouraging them, would you not say it is also authorized within the 21st century? Absolutely. And even more importantly, I say this. Would you say that now the church is stronger or weaker than it was 40 or 50 years ago? I think all of us would agree we're in a weaker state. That being said then, would you not agree that would be great for evangelists to be traveling around for the primary purpose of strengthening and encouraging the churches of Christ so we can get the church back to a strong state once again. Because let's face it, Satan had this planned all along. We were the fastest growing group back in the 50s and 60s, and Satan worked it out to where once we got in our comfortable buildings and we felt like we had arrived, we kind of slacked off. And unfortunately, as a result of that, we've lost one if not two generations of young people who have not seen what the church used to do and how active we used to be and how the average member of the church was doing cottage meetings using jewel metal film strips and converting soul after soul after soul. We were the walking Bibles. And there's no reason, folks, why we can't be the walking Bibles today. And in fact, we must. And so my primary purpose here tonight is to strengthen and encourage you in the areas that the Bible teaches. Now, I want to do this in Alabama, Tennessee, but Kevin Pendergrass, who I mentored, one of the other speakers on the Gospel Christ program, uh, he is doing this in Oklahoma and Texas, and hopefully eventually we'll have traveling evangelists throughout the United States to strengthen our nation. Do you think our nation needs to be strengthened? Do you believe that we're going more into the moral decay in the way of Rome, in the way of Sodom and Gomorrah? The answer obviously is yes, and you say, what are we going to do about it? Well, here's the deal. You're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. The gospel of Christ's work is striving to be part of the solution. And we hope and pray that you can also participate with us. So between Kevin and I, we do over 120 churches of Christ per year. I've already done 104 different churches of Christ, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, in the last two years. What do we do? We encourage unity without compromise. Secondly, we encourage the church to focus on evangelism. Now, I'm, I'm just as ready to eat after the service as you are. If y'all want to invite me out to eat, I'm, I'm good for it. <laughs> but we know that's not the primary work of the church, is it? And boy, I love young people, and I've always worked with young people everywhere I've been, and I, I would want to continue to do that. But you know as well as I do, it's not the social events of the church or the youth programs of the church that's the primary focus of the church. The primary focus of the church is evangelism. 
It's every single one of us sharing the gospel as we had in our reading this evening where Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer is that all Israel be saved. The burning desire that should be in every single Christian this evening is that you do not want one single soul in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school, at your workplace, wherever you are, you don't want a single soul to be lost. Do you have that burning desire? If you don't, that means you're not serving the purpose of the church. Because that is the purpose of the church. And one other thing that Kevin and I do is we go around and we let folks know about Good Brotherhood News because I'm going to tell you there's a lot of great stuff going on. I never dreamed when I began to be commissioned by the McClish Avenue Church there in Arden, Oklahoma to do this that so much great things would start happening. As you well know, with every action, there's an equal or opposite reaction. So when you begin to stir the pot, so to speak, all of a sudden you begin to see things happen. As we think about the church being in a weakened state, so many times the church is in a stagnant state. If you stir it around, all of a sudden perhaps you start getting activity. And that's exactly what has happened in the last two years. As a result, I report every single week to the eldership of the McClish Avenue Church. With all the modern technology that we have, I send them emails every single week. I conference them in three or four times a year. Sometimes I'll go up there personally and talk to them as well. And so they are the ones overseeing the work of the church and overseeing the funds of the congregation as well, or the work as well. Now, one thing that makes us unique, and I know this is true about Bobby Branch as well, but folks, it's not true of every church of Christ. I've been to 104 different churches of Christ. I can tell you right now, the average church of Christ is 40 members with no elders. So in reality, you probably don't know what it's really like out there. But that's the average church. We're in trouble, folks. And listen to this. In the next 10 years, for sure in the next 15 to 20, most likely half of those congregations will be shutting their doors. This is reality, folks. Our society is going down. The church is in a weakened state. Many of the churches, if not at least half of the churches, will be closing their doors 10 to 15 years from now. Our young people, our young people are being bombarded like we have never seen before in our generations. So many of them going toward the area of lesbianism and homosexuality are completely getting out of the church altogether. This is a constant thing that is going on. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? When we have a president that says he's the first gay president, if his daughters were to have a child uh, conceived, that if they wanted to murder that child, of course he don't use it, he don't word it that way, but that's what it is, isn't it? If they murder that child, he's okay with it. That's the kind of leadership we have now in our nation. And what are we doing about it? I've got good news for you. Matthew 5 and verses 13 through 16 tells us we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. And that we, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, are the pillar and the ground of the truth. That you know that you are the solution to this community's issues. You're the solution to our nation's issues. And folks, it's time to rise and then make a difference now within our society. I'm not looking to the politicians to make the difference, folks. I'm looking to the Lord's church. We have the responsibility to turn this society around. And not only do we have the responsibility, we are going to do it, and we are doing it very, very well. So what makes us unique? Well, I hate to say it, because I haven't changed ever since I grew up in the Lord's church. But so many of the churches have. I know Bobby Branch has, but a lot of churches have. In Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul tells the brethren there that 
He did not cease to preach the whole counsel of God. That's one thing that makes us unique as the Gospel of Christ program is we preach the whole counsel of God. Such as Ben Bailey, as you well know, had a lesson, some lessons on the Muslim religion. And in that, he mentioned the fact that Mohammed is not anywhere compared to Jesus Christ. He's the sinless Son of God who gave His life for the whole world to be saved. And yet Mohammed was a polygamist who even had young wives, so young that he was a pedophile. He said that to over 14 million people, folks, since we're on Dish Network in Canada, United States, South America, parts of it. And you know what? We got huge response of positive comments of those mostly not associated with the churches of Christ saying, finally, somebody stands up and tells it like it is because our politicians aren't doing it. But you know what? It's our responsibility to stand up for the principles of the Word of God. So that's one thing that's so wonderful about the gospel of Christ. Listen, we don't, we don't hesitate to talk about divorce and remarriage, church discipline, the modesty standard. Uh, out there I've got three DVDs, one of which is the cowboy church. Did you know that's the fastest growing group now? The cowboy church. Yeehaw! I was going down to one of the churches in Hartsville, Alabama, and I was looking up at Interstate 65 on a billboard up there, and it said the golf church. I mean, what's next, folks? We learn from Acts chapter 20, verse 28, that Jesus died for the church and people are mocking and making fun of it. The cowboy church? Number one, you need to know what it is. And number two, you need to get to somebody who's going there. And by the way, there's a lot of members of the church sometimes that will go to the cowboy church and don't think there's a thing wrong with it. Folks, it's time to contend earnestly for the faith like we used to back in the 50s and 60s according to what Jude verse 3 tells us to do. Because listen, we have got to save people from these errors. Second John verse 9 makes it very clear whoever goes onward and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. The cowboy church preaches that faith only saves. James chapter 2 verse 24 says that faith alone does not save. And therefore the cowboy church is not going by the doctrine of Christ and therefore according to Second John verse 9 they don't have God. And we've got to let folks know that. Because they're worshiping God in vain, according to Matthew 15, 8-9. And who's going to tell them that? Well, I don't want to hurt the feelings. Okay, let them. Love them to, love them to hell is what you need to do. Love them to hell, because that's what we're doing. We're loving so many people to hell. Don't judge them to hell. I'm just not going to judge them. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to upset them. Okay, just don't judge them to hell. Because that's where they're going to end up going. And that's not me making it up, by the way. Matthew 7, 13 to 14 says the majority of people are going to hell. You know, most of our young people, they're not scared of hell. Most of our young people don't even realize what hell is. Listen, when I was growing up, I knew clearly what hell was. That's one of the things that helped me so much in the various temptations that were presented to me when I was in middle school and high school. I was thinking, man, if I do this and I were to die, man, I'd go to torments. I didn't want that. And the times that we'd sing in assembly, you know, the all-seeing eye of God, I'd think about that, you know. Because we had balanced preaching back in the, in the day when I was growing up. We had love and grace and mercy that was emphasized, and, and I'm thankful for that because if it weren't for grace, none of us would have a chance for salvation. At the same time, we had the wrath of God, and we had the hellfire and brimstone preached. And folks, I'm here to tell you, we can't have enough of that today, especially with our young people. They don't scared of anything. You tell them not to text, they text. You tell them not to play with guns, they play with guns. And the list goes on. Even the Baptists have put out some information that they've been declining for the last six years. 
And they realized that, of course, they're the experts of the social programs, that you know what, we kind of kind of failed in the indoctrination of the Baptist doctrine to our young people. We're going to have to start reversing that because over 70% of our young people leave the church once they get out of high school. And if we're lucky, half comes back, they say. Now, we know you can't find the Baptist church nor the Baptist doctrine within the Scripture, but if you listen to what they're saying, you know what? The same thing's happening in the Lord's church. When I was growing up, we were taught, do not imitate the denominations. And then we started doing some imitating. And we're in the same bad situation that many of those are in. But that's beside the point, folks. We are part of the church you find in the Bible. Are you proud of that? Are you excited about that? I am. Because the Bible is very clear that only the Savior in the church, Acts 2 verse 47, makes that very clear. But do you believe that? Do you believe that only the Savior in the church of Christ? If you don't, you better. Because it is the ark of the New Testament. Just like in the Old Testament, you, if you weren't in the ark with Noah and the family, then you were condemned, you were lost. And according to the New Testament, if you're not in the New Testament church, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, dear Son, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, if you're not in that ark, if you're not in that church, if you're not in that kingdom, then when Jesus delivers the kingdom to the Father, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 24, you'll be left behind. Young people, do you want that? Don't fornicate. Don't speed. Don't mess with alcohol. Don't mess with drugs. Don't use foul language. All these things are stated because we don't want you to go to hell. And I've heard more young people dying than ever before in my lifetime. Don't think you can't die. I don't want you going to hell, so I'm going to let you know what it's all about. As much as I can tell you. Even Jude 22 through 23 says, With some use compassion with others, saved by fire, snatching them out. I'm snatching you right now. I don't want you to go to hell. So we need to be more, bring more hellfire and brimstone in our discussions, especially with our young. And for that matter, for our older people as well, because we're so desensitized as well. And you know what? We may have a grandchild that we know is doing, not doing what they should do, and we kind of back off. And sometimes we end up enabling them. I'm sure you are familiar with the article concerning uh, College Dale, Tennessee. A member of the church revealed herself as a lesbian, a detective, by the way. She's a detective of the department. And they allowed them now to have benefits. The very first town in Tennessee to allow benefits for lesbians. And the church, of course, that they were attending, also had the mom and dad. The mom used to, I mean, the dad used to be an elder of that congregation. And they had been a part of that congregation for 60 years. And the leadership had no choice but to say, listen, we care about your soul. you got to repent of this or we're going to have to withdraw. And they had to withdraw. And, of course, it got media attention. This just happened last week, by the way. These are the kind of things we're dealing with now, folks. So many of our young people are running toward lesbianism and homosexuality and all these other things because they're not scared of hell. And they need to realize that there are so many passages such as Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32 that clearly states that those who engage in such unnatural and ungodly behavior, their destruction is hell. They need to understand that. But at the same time, they need to understand that 1 Corinthians 6 makes it very clear that guess what? You know what? Such were some of you, but you were cleansed, but you were sanctified. You know why? Because you can repent of that and you can change from that 
That's the good news, folks. And you know what? Since we are the lie of the world, we've got to get that information out. Because, you know, a lot of homosexuals and lesbians think that, you know what, I can't help it. I was born that way. And so they're convinced of that. And our society continues to just pour it on and pour it on and pour it on. And many of our young people now are getting desensitized and thinking, well, you know what? i got a friend who's a lesbian or a friend who's a homosexual or whatever. And we think, you know, what's wrong with them? We shouldn't judge them any different than anybody else. And you hear all this stuff. And, you know, we can argue all these things that society argues. And yet we cannot show them. So many times about the one true church and one true plan of salvation. No wonder we're losing so much of our young people. So the gospel of Christ is designed to give the whole counsel of God and it's to get to the whole world, to everyone. Now, we're already at that point as far as representatively speaking. Those who can access the Internet are 194 countries. And of the 194 countries that are out there, and we can monitor this with no problem, 194 are accessing our website. It is thegospelofchrist.com. You've got to put the word the in there to make sure you get to it because you'll get to another one if you don't. Thegospelofchrist.com. So the whole world now is accessing our website. At the same time, over 14 million are watching our program. We hope to expand that even more as time goes on, as more and more brethren get on board with us. We hope to expand that even greater. And at the same time, we're on GBN. One of the brothers here, I appreciate this, gave me the information about on GBN. Uh, the Gospel of Christ comes on Channel 16 locally uh, on, at 5.30 a.m. on Ben Lomand, Monday through Friday. And on Sunday at 3 p.m., uh, it states here, and also Tuesday and Thursday. We also have it in Huntsville, Alabama, by the way. Over a million people are able to access that. And listen to this. We get two responses as far as people calling in per week. And at the same time, we are able to be on the same rating level as the local news, which that's unheard of. And most of these people watching are not members of the Church of Christ. Listen, we're making an impact, and we're hoping that we'll continue to do so as people continue to jump on board and helping us with what we're doing. Now, the reason why I'm here tonight, folks, is it's not about me, and it's not necessarily about our program either, but it's about you. Honestly, it's about you, because the key to get everything straightened out and to solve the issues and problems that we have today, whether it be in our family, whether it be in the church, whether it be in the community, whether it be in our nation, the answer is all the same. The solution is you and is me. And the way I demonstrate that is from Acts chapter 8, verses 3 to 4, where we have here the Jerusalem Church of Christ who were persecuted because they were Christians. Now, don't think that can't happen to us. Because, listen, the Muslims have a plan. All they got to do is overpopulate us. All they got to do is have more babies than we do. And over a period of time, guess what? They won't have to raise a single bomb on us. So they have these types of plans in place. They want to destroy us. I don't know if you've got that figured out yet or not. But listen, you give it 20 years from now, if not sooner, and the United States is not going to be anything close to what we're thinking about. If you care about your children, your grandchildren, and, and your posterity, listen, Tom, it, it, we should have got this taken care of yesterday. But the good news is it's not too late. Because we got God on our side, and we're the true church you read about in the Bible, and we are the pillar and ground of truth. And listen, we can reverse this thing, and we must, and we will. And so, what did the church of the first century do when they were persecuted? It says they went everywhere preaching the Word. Anytime you see the Lord's church in history growing by leaps and bounds, it's because the average member of the church is preaching the Word. Every single member is engaged in evangelism. And again, let me remind you, that is our goal. That's our mission. If we don't have our mission that God has given to us, we cease to be a true church. We cease to be a faithful Christian. 
Because that's the primary reason why, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that once we obeyed the gospel, being saved by the grace of God, that as a result of this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, my biggest challenge is to partner up with the local evangelists here as well as the elders, not to usurp authority. No way. Not any more than what Paul and Barnabas did. They didn't try to usurp authorities when we went to the churches of Christ to strengthen and encourage them, but instead to encourage and compliment what is happening. Now, what is it that the, the traveling evangelists and the local evangelists and the elders are supposed to partner up to do? Well, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 tells us. It says, we're to equip you, the saints, with work of ministry, of service. Did you realize that? You've got to work. And we're supposed to equip you so that you can work in God's kingdom. And again, what is our work? Evangelism. The good news is this. With the gospel of Christ, all of our stuff's free. And at the same time, if you say, I don't have money, well, we've taken care of that. And then you say, well, I don't have time. Well, I've already told you, you're a missionary. This is your mission field. So guess what? While you're in school, you hand out a DVD. Don't take any time to do that, does it? You know, while you're at work or while you're, you know, at, uh, in your, you see a neighbor next door, just hand them a DVD. Everybody knew that. So the excuse of time and money is gone now, isn't it? The average member of the church, we're equipping you with free materials that preach the whole counsel of God, that you know the power of the gospel is within, and you give to these individuals and you hope and pray that as a result they'll study it and eventually obey the gospel. Now let me tell you something. This is already happening. I don't have time to tell you all the stories, but just give you a few. I tell the North Houston Church of Christ in Scottsboro, Alabama about this. They order 200 DVDs. This is, by the way, this is where the money goes, the things that we're doing here. They order 200 DVDs. Don't charge them a dime. We even pay the shipping to handle. That's true when we do it overseas as well. So we send them 200 DVDs on what must I do to be saved, which, by the way, I brought one of those DVDs as well. They pass it out of their community to obey the gospel as a result of passing that DVD, those DVDs out. Would it happen here? I can't promise that because it all, all depends on the soul that gets the DVD. But at the same time, you know what? You're doing what the Bible tells you to do. You're evangelizing. And that's all God's asking us to do. God's the one that gives the increase. It's up to the person whether or not they take it serious or not. A young man by the name of Blake Davis, age 17, Goes to the Hebrew Church of Christ, not here, but Hebrew Church of Christ in Grant, Alabama. Attends the DAR school, which is a public high school in Grant, Alabama. He listens to what we're saying about the gospel of Christ and about the free DVDs. He orders two, 20 DVDs of what must I do to be saved. Didn't cost him a dime, didn't cost him shipping and handling or anything. He takes it to school. Most of them thinks he's crazy. By the end of the school year last year, one 17-year-old boy goes up to him and says, Listen, I want to get with you and talk to you. Blake, at age 17, studies with this gentleman. He's 17 also. His family's holiness. He studies with him and baptizes him into Christ. These are real things happening as a result of doing missionary work in Alabama and Tennessee. It's making a big difference, folks. We're trying to equip you. We're trying to inspire you. We're trying to strengthen you. We're trying to give you hope. We're trying to let you know, you know what? These things are crazy. That's what's going on. But listen, we are striving to be the answer. We're striving to be the solution and not be part of the problem anymore. So what we do is we preach the gospel primarily through you. Kind of different when you think about it, isn't it? Get all these preachers around preaching and we need to keep doing that and the Bible teaches that. But listen, the Bible also teaches that you need to be sharing the gospel as well. And that's what we've been lacking so we encourage you to start sharing the gospel. Anybody can do this. 
We want to become the 21st century evangelistic tool, just like the Jewel Miller film strips was the 50s and 60s. That was the main tool. And whether we become the tool or not, that's really beside the point. I just want you to see the image of what we're trying to paint here. If we become it, great. If we don't, at least if you're evangelizing, that's all that matters to us. We want to provide all materials free. Everything that we do, we want to make sure they're all free. And at the same time, we want to communicate with the brotherhood. We've got over 13,000 people all over the world now that we're communicating with twice a month by way of email. And twice a month, we're sending articles either written by myself, Kevin Pendergrass, Ben Bailey, and we're sending them out twice a month, encouraging you in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, encouraging you in the church of Christ, encouraging you in evangelism and so forth, to let you know the differences that this work is making in the United States in particular. So you realize missionary work is here too and must be here. If you want to be a part of that, I've got a sheet here where all you have to do is put your name and your email address and we'll start sending those to you twice a month. At the same time, you know, we begin to think, you know, we want the average man in the church to feel like they're personally engaged in evangelism, so the DVDs, they can do that. But at the same time, we're also worldwide. I mean, listen, folks, we get checks from Japan and Hong Kong. Can you believe that? We actually have people coming from overseas sending us checks because they realize we're in trouble over here. At the same time, we get response from India, Ghana. I mean, the list goes on. They're getting free materials that we're shipping to them. Or they're looking on the Internet and they're able to teach the folks in their villages and so forth. And so, I mean, we're getting responses all the time. All the time. All over the world. And if you want to be a part of that, we started what we call our 10 for 10 last year, about 12 months ago. And it's amazing what a difference it has made. Here's what we say. If you're willing to commit to $10 a month, we think, man, the average member of the church, the average family can handle $10 easily, $10 a month. If you're willing to do that, all you got to do is sign your name and put your phone number down, and we'll call you up and we'll set it up however you want to set it up. It just means send you a check. You send a check once a, once a month or whatever, however you want to do it. We'll set it up for you. But you put your name and your phone number there, and we start doing it that way. I'm gonna get Tony if he don't mind to go ahead and pass one this way, one that way, and then go back and pass one one way and the other. So if you want the emails, put your name and email address. If you want to do the ten for ten, put your name and phone number. And if you don't want to do anything, that's fine too. We just want you to realize what we're doing and we want you to use our materials. And if you want to get involved even more than that, we're telling you how, the ways in which you can do that. Now let me tell you something else that makes us unique as, as, the, as the work of the gospel of Christ. We do debates. When's the last time you've been to a debate? Young people, have you ever seen a religious debate? Have you ever seen an Alabama and Tennessee game? Does it get you excited? Does it make you more proud of your, your, your team, especially if they, they do their very best and they defend themselves and they win? I'm going to tell you something right now. The debates that we're doing are getting young people as well as older people fired up. And it was exciting, you know, when Kevin Pendergrass called me up and said, David, I think I want to start debating. And, you know, I went ahead and got my bachelor's and master's degree because I knew one day at some point probably I'd be debating. And so I thought, you know what, I need to have some degrees just in case, you know, somebody says we're not going to debate you unless you have some kind of degrees because I could care less about the degrees. But here comes Kevin, 22 years old, I want to start a debate. I said, what you got in mind? He says, well, there's a gentleman in Arm, Oklahoma, he's 78 years old, and he believes that you can only use one cup on the Lord's table. I said, that's perfect because he's a member of the church, but he has a wrong view on that. That's a good way to start. You know, we can get your feet wet, and then after that, we can go beyond the church into the denominational world and start debating people. So that's what we did. Listen, at the auditorium, by the way, Ben was still the preacher at the time over there, Ben Bailey was, we packed the house over 350 people, most of whom were one-cup brethren from all over the United States. 
And for the very first time, they heard the quote-unquote other side of the fact that you can use multiple cups on the Lord's Supper and still be acceptable to God in how that you do the Lord's Supper. The 78-year-old gentleman has been his hobby all of his life. You would have thought he didn't know what in the world he was talking about. Kevin did such a phenomenal job. But let me tell you the attitude of the whole situation. Kevin and I stayed till the last person left. And they said this. Kevin, you won the debate. Now, we don't necessarily agree with what you said, but you gave us some things to think about. Isn't that all God's asking us to do? Another debate that we had was on the Sabbath. Kevin at age 24 said, Listen, I found a guy by the name of George Ramekin. He's the number one spokesman of the Church of God International. And he said uh, he's a Sabbatarian. He believes that you have to worship God on Sabbath day and keep the Sabbath day holy. I said, Kevin, where are we going then? He says, to Canada. I said, Canada? So we go into Holiday Inn in Canada. Over 100 people, most of whom are Seventh-day Adventists and Church of God International. And we have an amazing debate. And we get the same exact response. Everybody loved it, said we needed more of these debates. And I'm talking about non-Christians, folks. And they said, listen, Kevin, you won the debate. We don't necessarily agree with what you had to say, but you gave us some things to think about. Did you know right now, and this has been three years ago we had this debate, we are getting over 500 views every single week of that debate on the Sabbath. It's hotcakes, folks. People want to know the truth. You may not think they want to. You may think, oh, no, if I start doing this, they're going to think, oh, that church of Christ, blah, 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 blah. You know, listen, Satan's been putting all this stuff in people's head for years. It's time to go back and rescue souls, just like you'd want your team to be able to win, to be able to do their very best. Listen, we've got to go win souls again. And we've got to be aggressive and excited about it, enthusiastic about it, and, and let not the people discourage us. If you're on a winning team, when you get beat, you don't let that discourage you. It makes you more determined. And so we're going to be more determined. When people say no to us about obeying the gospel or listening to the gospel, it's going to make us more determined to show them the gospel. Now, another DVD I brought was the instrumental music debate we had in April of 2012. You know what we did? We went into the Pentecostal church in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Kevy Webby at 26 now. This debater had done already 20 debates. And remember, Pentecostals are extremely charismatic and enthusiastic. So you're already disadvantaged just by, based on their emotionalism and excitement. But keep in mind, Kevin is also very excited about the true gospel. And at the same time, he's got the truth on his side. We had a bunch of students from the Memphis School of Preaching. We also had a busload of, of members of the Lord's Church who came to the debate. And they actually planned to stay on that Thursday night, but not on that Friday. Because they had a singing, ear white singing on that Friday. Unbelievable debate, folks. Unbelievable debate. It was so great that not only were the young people fired up because they saw their team was winning because we had the truth, and the young preachers were like, man, we need to do more of this. This is awesome, you know. I didn't even know this stuff was going on. But at the same time, that congregation that brought the busload that wasn't going to come on Friday night, guess what? They brought another busload. That's how effective it was. And you might say, well, was there any response from it? Well, there were eight Pentecostal preachers there. There were many Pentecostal members. But watch this. In February 26 of 2013, almost a year later, one of our U.S. soldiers who's in Turkey, his name is Troy Jenkins, writes Kevin Pendergrass. He says, before the debate, I was a firm believer in instruments and worship, but biblical evidence which you presented has caused me to shift my belief. I do admit that you surprised me greatly in your comeback arguments because at times I was thinking, how could Pendergrass come back from evidence like that? But you held your ground really well. And again, thank you and take care. We're in the process now of studying with this gentleman. But notice the way it's listed up here. 
He said, I am now an ex-apostolic Pentecostal as a result of that debate. Did you know we also do tent meetings? I've been saying this for two years to now 104 different churches of Christ. The tent meetings we've been doing have been up in North Carolina and Virginia, as well as Oklahoma, Texas, and Missouri. The, the folks that are in North Carolina and Virginia, listen, they've already converted five denominational preachers and established four brand new churches of Christ, not grabbing from other churches of Christ in the area, but non-Christians forming, like you see in the, in the first century, establishing churches over debating and tent meetings. They've been doing this for over ten years, and we support them in what they're doing. And so we're trying to implement that in more states, in particular in Alabama and Tennessee. So finally, a black congregation, predominantly black congregation in Athens, Alabama, tells me, listen, we want to do this. I was, that's all I was waiting for. I was waiting for somebody to finally say, we want to do this. And you know what? We just got through with the tent meeting yesterday. We went to a park where the apartments are on one side, houses are on the other, bunches of young people coming to the parks, we got a PA system, got six preachers, three of which were black, three of which were white, three congregations in the Athens area, and we preached from Monday through Saturday. Don't faint when I say that now. Listen, we had Mormons there. Because of our door campaign and effort, we had a Pentecostal preacher and his wife. He had been preaching for the Pentecostal church for over 50 years. If we had not had that tent meeting, he would never have darkened the doors of a church Christ building. But he came to the tent meeting because he remembers back when he was growing up the tent meetings they used to have and he wanted to come and see what was going on. We had Baptists there. Listen, from the Gospel Christ program we had there in Huntsville, we had a call. It's kind of crazy how it worked. But the day, the very day, the very first day, last Monday, that we had our first lesson, I delivered the first lesson. Kevin called me up and said, listen, we got a call from Huntsville, Alabama, a Seventh-day Adventist gentleman that says he really has been watching the program, he's been getting our DVDs, he's been studying them, and he's interested in studying more about the Church of Christ. I said, you know, we got the tent meeting started. He said, yep. He gave me the guy's phone number. I called him up. He says, can you come pick me up? I said, yeah. In fact, i got a 17-year-old young man from Grant, Alabama, who's coming to do our PowerPoint and he could pick you up. And that's exactly what happened. And that was kind of a cool thing, by the way, because he brought his grandfather with him. And so here's members of the Lord's Church in the Seventh-day Adventist. And, of course, they're drilling him on the way up there and drilling him on the way back, you know. And it's awesome, man, you know, because you got this, you know, grandfather and this 17-year-old, and they're loving it because they're able to evangelize a gentleman who's never known about the Church of Christ, about the church you read about in the Bible. I mean, it's exciting, folks. And so we're doing tent meetings. I hope and pray you'll take seriously doing the same thing here as well. Let me tell you some things that we're also doing. We've already accomplished these goals, by the way. We now have a free biblical counseling session. Because I synergized with a deacon at the Plainview Church of Christ in Hazel Green, Alabama, we were able to restore a brother who was completely out of the church 
from the Arab Church of Christ. And as a result of that, he stopped. He quit his UPS job. He went and got some, some uh, degree in counseling. He now counsels in Guntersville, Alabama. And he is doing unbelievable work within the Lord's Church in those areas and making a huge difference in the Lord's Church. I actually connected him with one of the churches in Owens Crossroads, Alabama. And they told me it's like a 400-member congregation. They said, this is the best thing that's happened in this church in many, many years. We thank you for connecting Hal Cole with us. Hal Cole is the one that's doing our biblical counseling service right now. At the same time, we've developed our Bible class curriculum, again, for and at the same time, it's for grades 7 through adults. And guess what? Not only do we have Ben Bailey of McMinnville that's involved, but we also have, does this name sound familiar to you? Shane Fisher, who also helped us write the materials. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you guys raised him here, didn't you? So we are definitely engaging McMinnville in what we're doing, and we're hoping to expand more and more. And by the way, we all, we're not arrogant, I believe. Believe me, we're as humble as can be, and we're striving just to simply save So You don't have to worry about us getting all big-headed. We just want to save souls. And so we got Shane involved with this as well. We're also almost finished with our Bible correspondence course. If you believe in strengthening churches of Christ, if you believe in unifying without compromise, if you believe we need to focus more on evangelism, if you believe that it is good that we're equipping churches with free materials, if you believe that we need to be preaching the whole counsel of God once again and no longer getting involved in this political correctness, and if you believe we need to get the whole gospel of the whole world in your generation and in my generation, then you believe in the gospel of Christ. And you want to get involved. There's no doubt in my mind everybody here wants to. It's just a matter of whether you do it or not. You know, we all have good intentions. But it's time to put it to action, folks. It's time to put it to action. So if you want to help us, I've got a bowl out there, by the way. As you go out to the left there, you'll see the three DVDs, the Cowboy Church, the What Must I Do to Be Saved, as well as the debate on instrumental music with the Pentecostal preacher. I've also got... Uh, uh, of course, the uh, bowl, if you want to put some money in there, that's fine. If you want to take an envelope and mail some, a check or put a check in there and write it out to the gospel of Christ, you're welcome to do that. But the main reason why I'm here, folks, is I'm here to encourage you to get our free materials and start passing it out. And you know what? The very person that you think might not obey the gospel, it will shock you. They'll be the ones to obey. Because it's not about you, but it's about the gospel. So the question is, have you obeyed the gospel? The only way that you can be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ, Revelation 1 verse 5. But in order to get into the blood of Jesus Christ, He's made that free for everybody, but you've got to tap into that blood. Just like if we were to go out of this, this, this door right now and we're to go out in the street and get hit and we're starting to bleed to death and somebody finally says, listen, I know you're dying, but i got the answer. i got the solution to your problem. All you got to do is have a blood transfusion. And you're like, oh, thank you. Now I'm saved. I believe. And so I'm saved. And then you die on the road. Well, what happened? Well, you didn't go to the hospital and get a blood transfusion. Believing's just not enough. So you can believe Jesus Christ is the Savior, and you can believe that if you believe in Jesus, that He will save you, but you've got to obey. You've got to trust and obey. Which means that once you hear the Gospel, Ephesians 1, verse 13, and once you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that the Gospel is truly the true truth that will set you free, John 8, 31-32, then you've got to confess Jesus as Lord, as Master, and you've got to repent, according to Romans 10, verses 9-10, and Acts chapter 3, verse 19. That means you've got to change. If you were a lesbian, now you're no longer a lesbian. Homosexual, no longer alcoholic, no longer an alcoholic. Cusser, no longer cussing. Tobacco, whatever it is, gambling, lottery tickets, you're done. You're not doing it anymore. You put it down. Scold, you're done. Dancing, you're through with it. The school dances, the lustful type, you're done with that. You're done with those things. 
because you want to serve Jesus Christ. That's repentance. You change your heart first, that's repentance, and then that follows with the actions. And then finally, you're baptized into Jesus Christ so that your sins will be washed away. You can't get in the blood until you get into the water. How do I know that? Revelation 1 says that Jesus washed our sins away in His blood. That same word wash is found in Acts 22 and verse 16. Where Ananias told Saul of Tarsus, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sin. Calling on the name of the Lord. The only way that you can get in the blood, the only way that you can get into Jesus Christ, the only way that you can get into the New Testament ark, the church of Christ, is to be water baptized so that your sins will be washed away. Not because you think your sins have already been washed away, but so that your sins will be washed away as you obey in baptism. And then once you've obeyed the gospel, you remain faithful unto death. If there's somebody here who needs to obey the gospel, we encourage you to do that. Listen, since I've been doing this, 19 baptisms, 39 restorations. I know there's more than just that. That's just the ones that have been told to me. Just by doing these lessons here, that's what has resulted. And I know there's more than that, but that's beside the point. The fact of the matter is that there are people here who have not been baptized in Jesus Christ so that your sins will be washed away. It's time to do it. Today is the day of salvation. If you go out that door and you die, you go to torments. Luke 16 makes that very clear. And then guess what? Once you get there, you get very evangelistic. Because then you say, could you send some people up to my relatives because they hadn't obeyed the gospel just like I haven't because I'm tormented in this flame? All of a sudden you become evangelistic. Listen, I don't want you to become evangelistic in torments. I want you to become evangelistic right now, so obey the gospel now and do it right now as we stand and sing.